Ahoy fellow dog drowners And welcome aboard the joy of trek And sweaty chainsaw of a podcast Exploring the drunk tanks and blood banks of Star Trek All of it I'm Kaki I'm Kay And out in the arboreal habitat Is your chief engineer Greg Together we're on a mission through the sick bays of Star Trek to find the bark in every tree Get it? and the good in every episode. Even the diplomatic blunders. Because every episode must be someone's favorite and it might as well be ours. So fasten your leash and join us as we go walkies into the, the joy, joy of, of Trek. Getting better at writing these scripts, I yes, think. Yes, it's like we're getting the hang of it. So, yes, hello and welcome. Yes, yes. Today we're doing an episode of Star Trek Enterprise. Ooh. A Night in Sickbay, which is the second season, fifth episode, first aired October 16th, 2002, written by executive producers Brandon Braga and Rick Berman, and directed by David Strayton. All right. In which a Cretacean meet and greet turns into pee and retreat thanks Boom. to Portos, the captain's beagle, which leaves both interspecies relations and the dog's health in precarious states. A sleepless Captain Archer grapples with his bottled-up frustrations, mounting tension, mounting her, and a chainsaw, <laughs> while Dr. Flox and his leeches tend to their four-legged patient. No, oh, I had a lot of fun writing that synopsis yeah. as well. We're getting good at those. This episode was, I mean... It wasn't recommended to us by Greg. No. Even though I asked, it wasn't officially recommended to us by our chief. He wasn't able to reply to my inquiry which one he'd recommend. Yeah. But it is actually the one that he would have recommended once I selected it. Chief, why don't you tell us why this episode in particular means so much to you? As the youngest person to be promoted to chief engineer for mysterious circumstances, I remember this episode clearly watching it as it came out. I don't have a lot of clear, concrete memories of my thoughts or opinions on this, but I remember walking home and making sure that we were back home in time so we could watch this episode specifically. So it just sticks out in my mind. Is that much of a clear reason for recommending it? I mean, maybe not, but at least Dr. Flox is entertaining as ever in this episode. Uh, absolutely. I love Flox. In every episode that I remember seeing of Enterprise, right. Flox is one of the strongest characters on board. So, yes. This episode has been called various things. Let me see. The Agony Booth described A Night in Sickbay as the worst episode of one of the most cringeworthy shows of the last 10 years. Wow. Yeah, right. Good fun. Let me see. Alison Pregler, I think I'm saying that right, a YouTube creator, described it as the episode that killed Star Trek. Well, I mean, I, I think people, a lot of people were harping on about uh, Enterprise having done that anyway, didn't they? It wasn't particularly well-received. Yeah. I mean, uh, it came after DS9, right? And after Voyager. Voyager after was, Voy it's was like, finished. It's older than Voyager. It's younger than Voyager. Okay, yes. wow. Okay. There was a gap. It was only a few months, but there was uh -huh. actually like a gap where there was just no Star Trek series right. in production. Yeah. Uh, it was still under the Rick Berman era. But there was an attempt to, like, appeal to a new audience. Like, the first season mm -hmm. weren't even called Star Trek. They oh. were just called Enterprise. Right. Uh, a lot of attempts to court new viewers. It was, oh, it was way sexier. <laughs> well, I can see that they were definitely going for that. I mean, the opening season of <laughs> yeah. the, sorry, the opening scene of this episode in the decontamination room, that's very sensuous, let me put it like that. And it was a conceit that was invented for the show that to be able to show these fit actors in their underwear rubbing each other down. Right, yeah. Which, or also the Beagle. Yes, in this case, which I really like. They're doing a, a sort of daisy chain massage. But I was also one of the ones who didn't appreciate this episode when it came out. And now as I'm watching it again, I am just marveling at it. It's, it's fantastic. So let's dive in. I say we eject the warp core. <laughs> I only have a few okay, points. I vent, mean, vent your plasma, it's, okay? It's, it's not a very tech-heavy episode. There's a bit of no. there's no we're we're dealing with a lack of plasma injectors, but there's that's almost a MacGuffin as far yes, as it's there's uh, just a thing that they yeah. need. So one uh, gripe number one, it wasn't three hours. You know, <laughs> the first no, the, like this this you wanted this episode longer. This, no, no, this heavy on protocol alien like. You might also explain to your captain that it's been nearly three hours since he received our transmission. And that it would befit the captain to re respond to them promptly. However, that message is received when uh, Tapao and Archer are in the, the, gym? In the gym, which is uh -huh. just after midnight. And uh, a scene after that, Brian, okay. is at 2.45-ish. Uh, so it was definitely less than three hours. Anyway... 
That's oh, the first one. Okay, yeah, yeah, Second yeah. one is... I have a rebuttal, but I'm not going to do it because this is about venting your plasma. This is a safe space. <laughs> You're going to say, like, oh, maybe they have different hours, but I'm pretty sure that the Universal Translator would have accounted for that. Well, they clearly didn't set their time to well, the capital they, city. Oh, no, they didn't, but that doesn't change the length of an hour. No, that's true. Yeah. No, you're absolutely uh, right. And, well, like, going. Pothos is being kept in a biohazard security container, uh-huh. which opens with, a, like, a simple, tiny little catch and no noticeable seal around the top. So... Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's not as bad as, you know, space helmets on Farscape, which are not known to have, like, a chin. Yeah, exactly. Bit. But... All right. Oh, that's very good. I mean, obviously, mine is uh, Archer's behavior. Archer, Captain Archer yeah. of the Enterprise, who is called a trained diplomat mm. by his best buddy, uh, Chief Engineer Trip Tucker, is an absolute dickwad. He's throwing almost a hissy fit. At, uh... Yeah, which was everyone's complaint. Like, he is so unlikable. And there was a lot of concern, like, whether this was supposed to be heroic, because he's very... Brash, which yeah. is now a loaded term because that's the excuse that is given for behavior by Boy. certain people such as Donald Trump. Boys will be boys and all that kind of right, thing. Right, yes. exactly. Where depending on one's social status, absolutely unacceptable idiotic behavior is just called brash. Apologizing, asking forgiveness just because we ate lunch in front of them on our own ship months ago. I call that groveling. But that was the attempt with Archer, mm-hmm. right? He's much younger, fitter, more aggressive kind of captains the first warp five ship in earth's history he doesn't want to wait anymore yeah they're literally doing the boldly going where no one right. has gone before there's a lot of more of that i think that's what i remember from the first season at least there's a lot more Absolutely. oh like yes we're meeting these new a lot of first contact actually i mean pretty much every episode is a first contact episode yes and they all go great yeah <laughs> But so, in that context, one could imagine that the writers expected us to be on Archer's side when he's so dismissive of another culture. But coming back to this, I don't think that's the case. No, Um, it comes off as a little bit petty and overly... I mean, not overly... It's it's hard to be overly concerned about a pet, but at least not prioritizing those feelings in the correct way. Yep. Because here's how I can view this episode now. This is his worst day. Mm. right that we've seen on screen he's probably had worse worse days but like his performance is the lowest he's the least empathetic he has the most friction with his crew he makes the most mistakes and we get to see it yeah very good point i mean everybody has off days and yeah even the captain does those and i guess it's up to the crew to actually compensate for that and like he does come back to what he says after what he says he reflects on himself that's let me put it like that and he goes back and does a little round of apologizing to both to Powell and to Flocks. I like that you keep saying to Powell. No, that's not, not her name. It's to Paul. To Paul. That's it, it right? It was going oh. to be to Powell. Oh. In, yeah, we have a cat crawling over our equipment, but it's okay because she seems more interested in my socks. So if just as long as she doesn't pull, pull any switches wiggling. or push any buttons. <laughs> We're actually almost, like, concluding our episode and review, even while we were just supposed to, like, yes. eject the warp core. So, I mean, this is like you're something that needs addressing. Let's dive into the episode. Because we start off, Enterprise is in orbit around some planet, and you said... I love how she looks. I love how <sighs> the Enterprise looks, yeah. She was made for a widescreen. Yeah. Right, she's got a very different silhouette. I didn't appreciate her oh. at the time. It looks a bit like they tried to make Voyager a little bit older. This Voyager is older and is, is, is sleeker and rounder, but it's kind of got the same the, the same ship, when, at least when uh, Voyager has her nacelles up. Right, in, in, right. In the warp travel position. But, yeah, I like how she looks. And she also looks more mechanical. Yeah. I, I noticed that immediately from the first time we saw a shot on engineering and later also in the, the captain's quarters. Yep. It, it has much more Galactica feel than... Feels uh, like a submarine. Right, yeah. Right, you've, of, got, you've got rivets, you've got welds, handholds, hey, handrails. Oh, and, yeah, uh, in case the gravity fails. Hazard tape, like all sorts of features that we're used to not seeing in the 24th century. Right, right because everything off. is covered with extrude. Plus, the old NX-1s didn't have replicators for them to be able to replace the carpeting when it caught on fire and burned from all the fuses blowing all the time and battle shorts happening. You know, you don't need carpeting. Guys, it's a spaceship. You don't need carpeting. What are you doing? Why? Yes. I noticed that in the in the sets as well. Like mm. I've seen this series start to finish and of course I realized that it was very sort of rivety and industrial looking and but I noticed some things that I've never seen before. Like the captain's ready room, it has these little half steps down mm. and there's a ladder in sick bay. That goes, who knows I guess where? it's into a Jeffrey's tube or something like that. But it starts off with, yeah, Archer griping. 
Yeah. Basically, they apparently committed a uh, social faux pas by eating in front of the visitors on board okay. the ship. Let me, uh, let me get this timing straight. Yeah. I'm not even going to need the chief's help on this one, unless I mess unless up. Unless you get it wrong. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so in the season one episode, Vox Sola, mm-hmm. they first met this species, the Cretacens, okay. whom they at one point offended because they ate a meal in public. The Cretacen was invited to eat a meal, and they said, I would attacked us. Oh, you eat how you mate. Because... Ah, yeah. And then they asked, well, how do you eat... Well, the same way, but we do it in private. Yeah. Right? One wonders what they do in public then. Mm. This is not a particularly good example of first contact. Yeah. And so the second time that they actually approach the species, it's to ask for one of these high-tech plasma injectors. Right, because they are the MacGuffin is one of the plasma injectors is broken down yep. and they need a replacement. However, it is and this is also a bit of griping from the captain. The ship can run on four. Yeah, but it can't run on three. So She's equipped with five. Yeah. She can fly fine on four, but one of them failing mid-warp is disastrous. But it's only failed a little. She's, it's not even failed yet. It's just acting up a little. <laughs> But he's got a chief engineer who won't accept who that. Who puts his foot down, yes. And so as part of their rapprochement with the Cretacens, they visit their planets and then they hung out for apparently just five days doing nothing. And then they went down and were made to wait for 12 hours and they were sent away with no plasma injectors, nor in fact an idea why they yes. were sent away. Well, you said the five days of doing nothing, oh, the five days of groveling as... Archer describes it. Yes, which neither his first officer nor his communications officer really support. Nor acknowledge, yes. And they're in the decontamination chamber where they're applying gel to one another, which, mm-hmm. however, that... There's lots of blue light and lots of, like, rubbing gel. I've always sort a... of expected, you know, like, Playboy Channel music, <laughs> whatever the hell that sounds... No, hold on. I've never seen it. You've, you've never seen the Playboy Channel, but you know exactly what that music sounds like, right? It's... It sounds roughly... Hey, Chief, doesn't it sound like this? Yeah. <laughs> and the uh, the doctor dismisses them all, turns the lights on, except for... Potos, who has to stay. I love how you keep inventing new names. Potos, Portos, Portos, Portos. Portos. Portos, yeah, Portos, that's Portos, one, yes. That's the one. One for all, all for one, and that. So let's talk a little bit about this beagle. He was played by a beagle performer called Prada in the first season. He did yeah. a very, very good job. But he was also hung like a dog, and the producers or sort of like seniors felt that that was maybe like a little bit distracting, and you right. had to sort of edit around that because he had normal healthy anatomical dog. features for a healthy dog of right. his gender and expression. And so two new actors were brought in, and those were Breezy and Windy, ah. and they were girl dogs. And they were even like for every scene, they had to be just slightly repainted to have the same spot on their of course, side. yes. And then trained not to lick that spot. Ah, uh, yeah. And so throughout this episode, we're going to see a lot of Breezy, and she is a very good girl. Mm-hmm. And you can see like how, how well she's doing here. This decontamination set is tiny. It was too small for her handler to even uh, be, on the set. Okay. be on the set. And she had to be left alone and then on cue, sit down. Oh, yeah. And didn't she do a very good sit? She did. It was an amazing sit, yes. Good sit, Breezy. <laughs> and then the theme tune starts. It's been a long road. Getting from there to here. And I, Kay, I've never regretted doing this podcast more. This is the hardest, <laughs> the hardest thing because I am not one of those people who loves this theme tune. My, my first reaction is like, is that Brian? Did get Brian Adams to do that? But it's, it sounds very much like a Brian Adams song who was actually quite popular at that time. When oh, yeah. He, uh, As was this song. This song was made famous by the end credits of the film Patch Adams with Robin Williams. Oh, okay. It wasn't even an original song for the, the series. It was just okay, a fair. pop song that was... Weird. The joy of Trek. We're a positive podcast. Joy <laughs> positive podcast. I even, like, look at that. My notes are so desperate. It's so slow, taking forever. Just doesn't end, please. And then you gave me the great news that you'd looked up what this was called. So you Googled, what did you Google? Oh, I just Googled ST colon E theme song. Yes, because it's it's Star Trek Enterprise. Google came up with St. Elsewhere, the theme song. <laughs> <laughs> what was so, that? 
It's like it's one of those. I want to be your mad emotion. I want to be your. I think so. That's called Saint Elmo's Fire. Okay, you can see why I got confused. Okay, Saint Elmo's Fire. Now that I sing the lyrics, I remember. So he goes to engineering to talk to Trip, and it's one of those. It's called a fridge shot. Oh yes, right when you put the camera like inside a fridge and they right. open the door. Uh, Alton Brown loves those in Good Eats. He's like in a constant like fridge <laughs> shot, oven shots, uh, pantry shots. Half that show is that those kind of shots when he's talking mm. to the camera while he's uh, showing off his pantry. <laughs> yeah. So you see the five injectors and one of them's offline, and Trip is he's sticking to his guns. Like, what are the odds of us losing another one before we find a replacement? I'm not comfortable with four, Captain. We need five. No, totally. He's totally right. I also, this this is also one of those shots that kind of like cemented the, well, let's call it more primitive technology. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, in with me and the, that whole ship feeling because it kind of reminded me of the oil injectors on a battleship. Like the uh, the oh. engine room there. They have to like, the, the, it kind of works in a similar way. Mm-hmm. They're steam run. The, the, the battleships, right. the Iowa class battleships, they run on steam. But they don't burn coal, they burn oil. Right. But they're still steam engines. It goes through turbines, not through reciprocal steam, uh, you know, the, the, the no, cylinder obvi- steam no, machines. Clear, no, clearly, run, obviously, yeah, yeah. It all runs on steam. Yeah, 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 but yeah they got these, But they've got these big and injectors that they use. Totally. <laughs> You're trying very hard to keep a straight face there. Yeah, no, I, it, I, I mean, this it, is all it looks different. But it I know you're explaining it to the audience, right? <laughs> but it clearly reminded me of that, how those things operate. And yeah, how they occasionally have to replace them because they get gung- gummed up and then they have right. to like, put, put a fresh one in. Also, when they're changing speeds. Like oh. Them, yeah, then they just have to, like, I guess they just put in bigger uh, nozzled injectors, which can, can spray oh, wow. out more oil. Oh, wow, because they're not like valves that you can no, tune. No, no, they're just, uh, yeah, they're, so they have to replace them whenever they uh, change speeds and they set the engines to a different power level or whenever they've been running for four hours right. and they need to be replaced anyway. So are that's these, kind of Are remi- these, like, still in service? No. No, okay, okay. No, no, the last one was used, I think that m- might have been the New Jersey which had some duties during the first Gulf War. Oh, wow, and that yeah. Was after, that was the second or the third time she'd been recommissioned. Right. She was brought out for, brought I, think out. Korea, I think she was still in service for Korea, then she was decommissioned and recommissioned for Vietnam, and then once more in the 80s. <laughs> At that point, she was also a Tomahawk missile. When she was brought in for like the sequel. She sounds like Rambo, who every movie they come around like, yeah. we've got to get you out of retirement. Ah, oh, but I'm a man of peace. I'm a ship of peace now. No, we need you. So Doc goes, vi- sorry, Captain goes visit Doc, talking about the dog. His autoimmune system is collapsing. I've isolated the pathogen, broken down its protein sequence. I can't explain it, Captain. It shouldn't be affecting him like this. But it is. He is really being a sourpuss about... Yeah, having exactly. to apologize to the aliens when he feels like the the thwarted party. But if their carelessness has hurt Porthos, or God forbid, ends up killing him, they're going to find out what being offended is all about. Which is like, yeah, in the but light it's of really thin arguments. Like, yeah. it, it really he chose to bring his dog to a planet that is known to be tricky. Yeah, like he took oh, that, that, too, that yes. risk, and he just won't hear that from anyone. Mm. Right, he's 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 shut down from me. He is absolutely being being unreasonable, but man, I've had days like that, right, where I'm I'm really ashamed of how I conducted myself, that I just didn't hold myself to the standard that I that I expect, and it it just sucks. You 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 have those, and how you deal with them is a, is a test of character. That's really what this episode is about. Yeah. So, like, seeing him overreact, yes, you're you're sort of cringing. You're also sort of worried that there may be members of the of the audience who think that he's right. Oh, right. Yeah. Because Star Trek does have a, a history of occasionally, like, representing other cultures. The way that, you know, certain more conservative people look at foreign cultures <laughs> yes. and how demanding they are of all these rituals. Why can't they just be perfectly normal? Like, we just have normal traditions and, yes. and requirements. We just have the, the ordinary, you know, the <laughs> basic forms of etiquette that everyone in the world has Should always have, had. Yes. In, and not just all these weird additions that these other people insist on having. <laughs> sausage, eggs, and beans, please. What? You didn't understand. We'll say it louder. Sausage, eggs, and beans. <laughs> But all of this is like misplaced frustration, 
right? He's projecting his frustrations that he's internalized and not reflected. Among others, it's it's discussed sexual tension is one of them, stress, job performance, like concern for the safety of his ship. And he's blaming it all on these Kratassans. Yes. He says goodbye to Porthos. And that's the last time for a while in this episode that we see one of the two canine actors. Yeah. Because for about the rest of the two, right, <laughs> right until the very end, the rest of the time, Porthos is played by a plushie. Yes, yes. The prop dogs were designed and constructed by Joel Harlow and mm, not beloved by many children. Oh. Who, like, there's. It was kind of obvious that it was a plushy dog. Mm. To some of us, yes, clearly. And to others, it just straight up looked dead. Oh, yes. Because I can. I can. Get with that, yeah. Right, because a dog, even when completely in restful sleep, still does a breathe every yes. now and again. Oh, true. But this whole episode was a bit of a cost-saving measure. Yeah. So UPN, the network where Star Trek Enterprise was airing, had been taken over by new management, which oh. was a lot more hands-on Yeah. And, and very, very concerned because there had been some budget overruns on some episodes. Right, and they were like, uh, keep it down a little bit. Yeah, so Dogs. this was a real effort to show, okay, we can control our budget. Please don't send suits yeah. down here every week. It's, I mean, it is a bit of a bottle episode, almost, except for the last scene. Yeah, yeah. Scott Balkula had a quote about that. Like, we call it a ship show. You call it an elevator show is also a, a oh, term yeah. for it. You reach a point, he said, in any television series where the studio says, we need to save money. You're spending too much money. And the writers say, we'll give you a ship show. Yeah. And make do with that. And, like, this was filmed in half the time of an average episode of Enterprise. Okay. Wow. And I think that the sort of practical set design that went into these sets for for Enterprise really helps because we see a whole lot of really long handheld scenes in the sickbay yeah. where people walk around. It's very naturalistic camera work. Gorgeous film stock, I noticed. Yeah. But everybody can, contain, continues to be like well-lit and well-composed. And these are this is just brilliant. Yeah. And you get a bit of the same thing when uh, Archer goes onto the bridge. Paul has managed to figure out what the thing is that has given offense to them. Do you recall the stand of trees outside the Hall of Diplomacy? What are you talking about? They're Elvira trees. Over 300 years. That's fascinating. Which turns out to have been Archer taking a little wee against the 300-year-old Alvira trees. Porthos. Porthos. What is, is it you said again? Archer oh, taking Archer. a, Sorry. Taking <laughs> a <little bit. laughs> different show. That seems like a Lex thing, although he did threaten to... But, I mean, like, that seems it, like an Archer thing, too, <laughs> <laughs> in all honesty. Apparently, Porthos urinated on one of them. And that's what they're insulted about? It is understandable. And I, yes, and I'm the, thinking here, like, okay, so you got your old trees. I mean, like, this is clearly not Dune because there would have been considered a great honor and a gift, <laughs> <laughs> the gift of your body's moisture. Yeah, yeah the d- dog peeing against one of the the holy day trees, you know, the holy palm trees out in the plaza. That's <laughs> I rewatched that movie recently. So, oh, oh, good, so stunning. It's absolutely breathtaking. I spoke once with someone who said they didn't like it, and after we had a screaming argument, because <laughs> I'm not always like I am on this podcast. Sometimes I dig in my little heels. I found out Gee, that... you've never done that on this podcast. <laughs> Ooh, it's coming, Kay. There's something on the horizon. You're going to see a very different side of me, okay. and people at home as, as well. Turned out they'd watch it on an airplane. What? On, oh, the, yeah. on the back of a seat while sitting next to someone right. with a bladder about my size. Ah. Uh who needed to get up all the time. So, okay, totally understood. And I instructed them to, like... Just watch it again. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, good sound. (laughs) Big screen, good sound. Throat singing. Yeah, 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 that's one of the movies that you should not watch on a tiny screen. No. (laughs) Uh, If opportunity permits. Well, sometimes we, uh, we have that. So, once again, Archer is just breezes over his own responsibility that yes. that Paul's trying to explain to him. Well, maybe if they'd have bothered to read the genetic profile we sent, they'd have told us to leave the dog on the ship, and then he wouldn't have had an opportunity to pee on one of their precious trees. Like, and Paul like, quickly cottons on that, like, okay, he's not going to get it, so... Yes. And she's just kind of like, yeah, whatever, Captain. <laughs> like, I'll let you know when, when they tell us how you can make contrition. No, make... What's the word? Not make contrition. Make amends, yes, yeah. that's one. And they're working on it, which is also something that I like about this episode. We are presented with these supposedly really unreasonable Kritassans, but these are people who have welcomed this ship to their planet mm-hmm. in spite of disastrous first contact and disastrous second contract, and they're still providing opportunities for, like, we actually want this to go well. We want to have good contact. We want to give you one of these injections. Like, there's not even a question of sale or payment. No, there isn't really, is there? 
these people who generate the only metallurgically compatible and really reliable injectors right. in, the, in the quadrant. But they would really like you to respect their societal norms before they hand that over. Right. Yes. So trying to see this from the Kutasan point of view, they yes. really want to make friends with humans. And right. They're just making it so difficult. Right. And they're not above a little bit of a passive aggressiveness themselves, mind you. It's like, why haven't you adjusted your time to our capital city? Well, you don't, you don't have to, <laughs> but it would be very courteous of you if you did. No, no, you don't have to. <laughs> you don't. Okay, we'll get to that when it's my deleted scenes. I've got some headcanon about this guy. Let's go, into, let's go into really fix him. Did you recognize him, by the way? No. It's Matthew Vaughn. He's played a lot of aliens on Star Trek, like right, right up there with Jeffrey Combs and, oh, Mark, oh, the man who played uh, Sarek. Anyway, we know him most from Enterprise as Admiral Forrest. Oh. He's Archer's direct report. Oh, and okay. now he also gets to yeah. I mean, wear his makeup. Chief Engineer Greg here. Just a quick correction. It was Mark Leonard who played Sarek, and Kaki just misspoke there. It's Vaughn Armstrong, not Matthew Vaughn, playing the Kutassin captain. Meanwhile, we continue the Star Trek tradition of the captain having an obsession with an obscure 20th century uh, sport from Earth. Do you remember which one? In this case, well, uh, water polo. In Very this good. Case. Well, just, <laughs> oh, yes, it's on the screen. It's on the screen, and, he, and I recognize the ball that he's using. You recognize the ball? Yeah, water polo has a kind of distinctive look. And for some reason, the ball's always yellow in your water polo. And it has that pattern on it, so that, that yeah, that immediately jumps out as a water polo ball. You're such a jockey <laughs> compared <laughs> I, to my I, sedentary ass. I happened to do some swimming in my teenage years, and like one of the things we did at the swim club was play water polo occasionally. So awesome. <laughs> But yes, he's sitting in his quarters, playing with his ball. He's not having a good time. He's looking at his bed. He looks at the empty dog bed. Yes, and he decides to go to sick bay to keep the dog company. It's a really brief scene. But like this stands for, he genuinely has been trying to get some rest, probably spent a, a, an hour in bed tossing and turning, put on some water yeah. polo, like, doing some self-care, and none of it really helps because he, he he misses his buddy and he's dealing with all these frustrations. So he, he goes to sick bay and yeah, claims like, the oh, maybe, I can, maybe the dog will feel better if I keep him company. And I don't think your dog is in any condition to know whether you're here or not. Well, then maybe it'll cheer me up. Like immediately cutting through the BS, really. Yeah, Flox is amazing in yes. this. He's so curious and so interested. There's a cute little discussion about what uh, the amount of degrees that Flox has. Yeah, which he's is an impressively yes. accomplished physician. And which which reminded me a little bit of a uh, I can't remember where it's from, but like something to say like if you ever like are among aliens and you fall ill. Don't ask for a doctor. Ask oh, for yeah. a vet. Yeah, because yeah. the vets are the one who are used to dealing with different physiologies and exactly. different requirements. They're like they might realize that yeah, unlike a doctor who is like trained on one particular creature usually. Yep. Yeah, um, and highly specialized and very very yep. good at it, but will probably make some assumptions that aren't. Valid. Where, like where a can, vet is much more likely to go like, okay, what what are the specific what are needs we for this here? particular creature here? I mean, imagine if you're a vet and you're brought into like a seal or like a dolphin. It's like, okay, have some basic knowledge yeah. of, I mean, mammals, cool, but probably like the lungs aren't attached to the mouth. Probably not. Oh, no, they've got the blowhole. There we go. I wonder Does what else. have that? Oh, seals? No, I think they, they, they breathe through their nostrils, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know if they have joined up. Kaki, I'm going to cut you off right there. Yes, seals do in fact have lungs, so it breathing through their mouth down into their lungs or through the nose down into their lungs, that is 100% how they work. I also want to say as a shout out to my friend who works at an emergency vet clinic, a big reason why vets would also be so much more useful in that particular hypothetical scenario is vets are very used to dealing with equipment that is not meant for that particular animal. Humans, we design things around the human physiology. Vets, you're used to having to work with tools that are not meant for a hamster or a horse or whatever. You have to get very creative because that is just what you have to do when you're dealing with a wide variety of potential animals there. So if you're a vet listening to this, shout out to you because that's fantastic. And I like that Captain Archer is showing some genuine interest in his doctor. They haven't had a lot of scenes together. John Billingsley, who plays Phlox, said that this was his favorite episode because he got oh. to spend a lot of time with Scott Bakula. Yeah. Like, even though it was a very short shoot, it was very, like, 
they both have a background in like theater and, and, and performance. And this was very much that. Two characters in a room having to captivate the audience yeah. with some like really sincere emotion. Yeah. And, like he's asking about Flox's background and whether his people have pets or right. whether they can And this continues later on as well when he's talking about his family later. Now we should both try to get a few hours of rest. If there are any changes in his vital signs, the alarms are quite loud. And so after a bit of a chat in the doctor's place of work, which I think the captain's being very respectful of. Right. He, yeah, he goes to sleep on one of the treatment beds, I think. Yeah. Because it's very narrow, so it can't be a long-term care bed because, like, patient would fall off the entire time. Yeah, uh, this is still, <laughs> what do they call it? It's a stretcher or whatever. Pretty much, yes. Until he's awoken by a creepy noise and the camera angles, like, shifts to from above yes. while he's in this, in this enclosed, encurtained... Just creeping through the rooms until he finds out that... Dr. Flox is cutting his toenails with like some, some sort of serious. sonic sonic bread knife or something. He's just slicing through these these Which are serious toenails. And if that's a weak growth, then yes, he does have quickly growing toenails. Now, the hilarious part in this, of course, is that after uh, Archer <laughs> goes back to sleep again, Flox comes out and then drops his toenail clippings into some cage, which... <laughs> Waste not, want not. Yeah, which provides a little bit of a fight. Yeah, he's like full of lots of critters in the sick bay here. Yes, that was also an innovation for uh, uh, Enterprise. I, I think it was also in like the writer's manual that his apothecary is just this this zoo of wonders because he he collects all these properties of all of these creatures yeah. throughout the world and he's as likely to use like leeches <laughs> as something else, which of course in the early 2000s was a, then a fairly new therapy, mm. maggot therapy for wound cleaning. Yep. But I believe even leeches are coming back into vogue for certain types of wound therapy. Are, are you familiar with them? Uh, yes, I've heard of it. I know that they're still being uh, used again. I think it's, uh, leeches are specifically used if there's like a uh, issue with arterial uh, flow. So like if, oh. if, if areas get uh, clogged up, then they can be used. Leeches can be used to just like uh, help relieve a little bit of pressure there. That's really clever. Yes. In the same way, like he's so interested in all these adaptations of, of various species, and yep. just, he keeps kind of a zoo of and various. It turns animals. out it's like quite a nighttime job that he has in keeping the menagerie uh, going because like every hour or so like Archer gets woken up again by something else going that the doctor is doing yep first he is like tongues he's got an amazingly large tongue scraper I mean he's got an amazingly large <laughs> tongue as well say. I mean that tongue scraper that looks like big enough for a ho- to, to use on a horse and like, he, he's got length but he's not got <laughs> his width his tongue comes down to his sternum <laughs> yeah fault. well about to his Adam's apple I'd say but <laughs> and next he is like again he's like feeding some fish tank where like they're not told to not be greedy I'm sorry captain did I wake you again <laughs> what the hell's going on Feeding time. <laughs> and Archer asks if it's always like this. And I say, well, on the nights that I'm here, they know. They, they yeah. get very demanding. Yeah. Because the Nobulans don't sleep quite as regularly as humans do. Clearly not. They do hibernations once every every so often. Yeah. But like he, he says, we should get a few hours of rest, which for a human means sleep, but for him means, eh, we'll just do some relaxing activities. Yeah. Archer gives up and goes to the gym where T'Pol is casually running on the home trainer. And he joins her, and immediately, like, there's a fantastic sound effect of, mm-hmm. like, indicating the speed. Yes. And his starts slower, and then he beep, beep, and, and they're both caught up. And she presses hers to, uh, to speed it up, and he does that, and it becomes a bit of a back and forth. And, okay, sorry, this is, like, one more little yes. thing that I missed in ejecting the warp core segment. <laughs> uh, Got a little there, plasma left in your injector, There's you? a little bit, like... <laughs> so they're constantly one-upping each other on the speed, and you can hear the frequency of the machine going up and making a little bit more noise, but they don't actually run faster. They, they continue to run oh, in the wow. same pace. They don't actually accelerate. Oh, okay, let me see. Shields up. Let's see if I can do this. Maybe their stride length is increasing. We only see them from the chest up. And, and anyway, can you imagine filming this scene? <laughs> yeah, and then they have to like, run faster. Do a retake? Of course, no, I, of course I, I get it. But it's like it's just something that when I realize, like, hang on, they're still running in the same pace. If you, you're listening to the thud, thunk, 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 yeah, their, their pace doesn't change. I wonder if they're actually on treadmills. We see their shoulder movements, yeah. and they're very natural. Would it actually be easier to do this while on an actual treadmill? Yes, I would, I'm, I'm firmly convinced that it's easier to do this while you're actually running than it is well, to but you, you pretend running. But you also have to perform. Yeah. You have to speak, so your breathing can't 
accelerates too much. You can't, no, but you that's can't. why they're keeping at a, such a leisurely jogging pace. Yeah, uh, yeah. And doing st- as a stand-in-place running would be as much exercising as doing an easy jog. It almost costs just as much energy to pretend that you're running, probably even more. Yeah, than that's it would a good be to, point. To, to just be gently jogging. Yeah, must have been a very tough scene to film. But Topol is once again confronting him. Like she even says, You're once again ignoring the consequences of your actions. She tries to ram the point home where it's like, You obviously place more importance on the quality of the air your pet breathes than on the quality of the plasma that drives your shit. And he ignores that as well. Yep. Like, I can care about both. And she, she says, it's about priorities. You're prioritizing one over the other, and you're, you're doing the wrong thing. She's doing the exact thing that a first officer should do yes. when her captain is, is impaired, giving him advice. But then she also backs off. Like, I've said everything that's to be said. Yeah, it's up to you now. You've heard it. Yeah. What you choose to do with it is, is fine. Like, she even backs off. Like, I obviously can't keep up with you. <laughs> this is when we get the scene where Hoshi receives a transmission says, the captain's not going to like it. Oh, the captain's right here. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay, Cap- Henson. <laughs> <laughs> they go to the bridge. Archer looks at the demands, and he seems to be rather nonplussed about what's going on. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> T'Pol is like, looks at them as well and goes like, Do we have a chainsaw on board? <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is like such a cool, it's like, yeah, it really makes you wonder. It's like... And he goes away to get some more sleep. Hey, maybe three hours did pass. No. Between this moment and... No, because you will shortly afterwards see... Here you go. So 12.09 a.m. is when he walks into the gym. Yes, and so, in, in literally in the next shot, it says 1.32 a.m. when he wakes up again. Uh-huh, okay, okay. I'm going to skip ahead. There's the whole fantastic scene. This is a really great scene. No, you uh, don't even have camera. to. It's literally he, the scene. No, look, he goes to bed again. He goes to bed again at the end of the scene in sickbay, and then... We cut to oh, right. uh, the communication. So he's had... No, but yeah, but look at the scene that comes up then. This like, is the scene pro- first. Like, he does, he, okay. does, he does two sleeps yeah. between this moment and... No, I, I understand. Okay. All right. I'm pretty sure that I'm right. Okay. Okay, so this was like... Uh, the the so first communication like, is between midnight 12, and... 1215. 12.15, whatever. They just finished running. Yeah, yeah so exactly. That, okay, let's put a pin in that and come okay. back to it when we... You're almost certainly correct. You, yeah. In fact, sorry, why am I hedging? I should <laughs> learn from, from Archer. You're certainly correct because, Kay, I was very distracted during the watching of this episode. Okay. Scott Bakula's got a nice bum on him, doesn't he? Oh, he does, yes. And he sure gets shown off by his little gym pants and... Oh, speaking, he... of, speaking of clothes, mm. I like that they, they didn't go for a sci-fi uniform clothes. They're just overalls basically you can see yeah, this, you can see this, yeah you can see the stitching they've got zippers they've got the that they with pockets in yes. them that they use for stuff it's really great i mean uh, to paul kind of has like a vulcan classic vulcan outfit skin tight cat suit because yeah. it's a sexy show yes got to really like make it extra extra steamy and sexy you should have seen the trailer for this episode by the way mm. uh, well, i know how you love trailers that grossly misrepresent <laughs> yes according to that trailer this would have been like an absolute sex comedy really focusing on it probably oh, yes. played playboys channel music over uh, uh, them rubbing each other down chief engineer greg here i just looked up this trailer i'm gonna recommend that everyone else did the same but i'm gonna give you just a little tease on why this trailer is Ooh, it's it's something. Just the ending music alone is masterful. So I now present to you just a taste of the episode trailer that aired on, on UPN originally. One hell of a night, hasn't it? You've got to see it to believe it. Let me see, what's the next psychodrama that takes place? Well, oh, first there's a little crisis with the dog. What's happening? He's gone into anaphylactic shock. Yeah. Uh, first treatment doesn't work. Like, Archer's being a little bit bitchy again. It's like, oh, you said we'd know in a few hours if it'd work. And, it's, and he goes like, yes, it's yes, not working. And it didn't work. And, and we're going to try something else. And <laughs> Archer's like, let me guess, we'll know in a couple, couple of hours. Yes. I, I thought this scene was great because he is really concerned. Hey, is my dog going to die? And the doctor doesn't answer him, but gives him something to do. Fill this with five cc's of tetrasol. It's the blue fluid. Second on the right, five cc's. And Archer doesn't question it. Right? No, he, he, doesn't, just, he doesn't argue. He goes straight into and does it, yes. And this is where, like, I really got on Archer's side. Because if all this frustration that he's been venting it, and all this plasma that he's been venting was an aspect of his character, then he'd be doing it now especially. Yeah. But it's not a response to stress. 
So he doesn't get worse at it when he's okay. when he's under more stress. Like oh, it's fair. it's misplaced yeah. frustration at something else. So right here, he shuts up, assists the doctor in the procedure, and doesn't talk again until the doctor says it's done. Where yes, it'll take oh, another couple of hours before we know. And uh, yeah, Doc starts d- doing a little bit of psycho digging at him, trying to yeah. figure out what's up. He just do a little psychoanalysis. How are things progressing with the Cretassens? In a fantastic scene, handheld, characters walking from one side of the room to the other, coming really close to the camera, focus tracks everywhere, characters are well lit. Sorry, I just really appreciate excellent filmmaking like this. And have you considered that your anger may encompass more than just Porthos and the Cretassens? What? And it might be sex. How long has it been since you were intimate with the woman? What? Yeah. Right? And you haven't addressed that. You haven't talked about it. Like even later on when Archer doesn't quite admit it, but asks for some advice. Like, what can I do? Do I, do I talk about it? Do I, do I ignore it? No, 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 neither. 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 Just be aware of it. Just integrate it. Yeah. I'm sexually frustrated person right now. Yeah. I know this about myself, and then, you know, we can, we can handle but, that. But, yeah, he absolutely refuses to address that or even consider the fact that it might be correct. Yep. Yeah. But Archer's not ready to listen to that. No. Nope. He says, I suppose you're going to tell me you have a degree in psychiatry, too. Absolutely. Actually, I do, yes. No, no, but- no, a veto. <laughs> going back to bed. Does another sleep. Yeah. You've only got one patient right now, and that's the dog. So it has now been a certain amount of time. Yes. Which this person seems to think is, is three hours. Yeah. And once again, I'm thinking about this from the Cretacens' point of view. They haven't heard anything. No. For a while, which is weird, you know, someone's left their DM on red and not responded. Yeah. And they've accepted that for a while. Here's my headcanon. This guy isn't like of the highest authority there. Like he's he's representing someone much more important than him. And he's really on Enterprise's side, yeah. providing them opportunities to, hey, please as, do better. Yeah. It's as, not- per, as per my free previous email. <laughs> <laughs> Archer gets woken up again yes. because apparently one of Flox's pets, or in this case, a bat has escaped. I have a proposal for the name of this Pyrethian bat that's escaped. Okay. Stoffel. Stoffel. Okay. I propose. Yeah. Okay. I can see where you're coming from. With naming that one. her yes. after a famous honey badger. Who is all like notorious for being able to escape from any enclosure. Aha! Uh-huh. There's, there's a fantastic like video about this. I don't know if it's a sanctuary or like a zoo in South Africa. I think Africa, it's a sanctuary, yes. Where one of the minders is complaining about Stoffel's just relentless escape yeah. artistry. Yeah. When they eventually, yeah, put him in a basically a concrete tub enclosure with lots of enrichment material, which he then used to build himself a, a ladder yeah. to get out of the <laughs> to construct a rudimentary lathe. Yes. <laughs> And hey, then they gave Chief, him a you gr- like that one? Get off the line, guy. Yeah, then they gave him a girlfriend and he stood on her so he could open the gates to his... Yes! <laughs> they became a double act. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Mungo Jerry and Rumpelteaser. Oh. oh, yeah, speaking of girlfriend, the doctor's strategy for recovering the bat, I, I thought... Is creating a, a Pyrithian moonhawk. See, or I thought it was just an origami of... boyfriend that he right. was making for no, her. That, yeah, that seemed to make sense. But no, apparently it's an origami predator that he was trying to scare her with. But apparently she, like so many of us, is a monster f***er. And she just jumps <laughs> all over it. She's having a great time. <laughs> Captain Archer, who's, who's out there with a butterfly net, quite unable to catch her. They both fall down. He tries one last swipe and knocks over some noxious goo onto uh, the doctor's chest where he goes, hey, that's not poison, is it? And the doctor... <laughs> just licks it. Yeah, I'll be fine. <laughs> Science! But yes, as they are hunting for the bat, there's more talk about... And this is where the uh, flock says, like, this captain needs to, like, choose between his ship and his beagle. Not, not in those words, but... Like, yeah. Basically tells him to get your f***ing priorities straight. Yep. And he keeps asking that question, why does T'Pol's opinion matter so much right, to you Right, yes, now? and more about sexual attraction between him. Are you, like, dealing with feelings? Yep. That's essentially what it comes down to. Hoshi comes wandering in. Bat <laughs> tries to make a run for it, but Hoshi is like, nope, just, like... Effortlessly just... Grabs it out of the air. And immediately goes like... Hey, are you all right? What are they trying to do to you? 
Anyway, bad news. You've got to uh, respond, please. They're really impatient. And also, how's your dog? Hmm. And instead of responding... He goes to bed. For another couple of hours. Yep. Dreaming of Portos's funeral. We are gathered here today to bid a final farewell to a faithful and kind colleague. Hey, I wonder if this is the Scottish planet from Sub Rosa. It's similar, but there's definitely not a... Ba- it's definitely well, got a bit got different a background. Because, like, you can see the... Yeah, uh, this is more... This, the, this is like barren mountains in the background instead of a big granite-stoned building. But it does have that vibe it does the, very much the graveyard. Have, yes. And, it's, hey, they did mention it was the Federation's or... Yeah, Federation's first project. Federation didn't exist yet at the time. No, the I guess not, no. But, yes, it's raining and the doctor is giving... A like, eulogy, last, yes. Which turns into his uh, psychoanalysis. Yes. When one person believes their sexual attraction toward another is inappropriate, they often exhibit unexpected behavior. As uh, T'Pol and Archer start kind of making out, cut to them being back in decontamination. Yeah, opening More scene all over. More sensual rubbing of gel on bodies, on fit bodies. But this time, instead of the dog being held back, uh, it's T'Pol and Archer being held back while Hoshi gets to take Portals back out of the room. Who have to rub new goo on their Different the psychoanalysis. Continues while they get closer and closer. It's, I, think it's, I think it's a fantastic scene. Well, you, you've got this sexy... Right. You've got this really sexy scene, and in the meantime, you've got, like, Flox narrating his psychoanalysis over the top of it, which makes it extremely unsexy at the same time. Yeah. It's like... Tell me, Captain, have you thought any more about why Paul's opinion is so important to you? It's hilarious. It's brilliantly done. See, this episode was criticized for these yes. two aspects, for, like, the lightness of the comedy, which didn't land for everyone, and, okay, everyone's got different tastes. Yeah. And also this romantic subplot that was never previously hinted at and never went anywhere. Yeah. But, as was observed by Juliet Harrison from Den of Geek in an article from 2021 in Defense of Enterprise's worst episode, like, she mentioned that... There has been flirting between them, like not yeah. as overt and not as Blatant. romantic, yeah. right, as between her and Tucker. But yeah, these are hot-blooded adults who, well, some of them are not very in touch with it. Their yeah. feelings, of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Next shot. Archer wakes up again. Two forty-nine a.m. Ah, you win. <laughs> Two forty-nine. <laughs> da 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 da. <laughs> K K K. Everybody's cheering. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I have this as well. When I've got frequently interrupted sleep, you know, I've had a... Oh, yeah. Right? And the the dreams, wow. They're weird, yes. They get real, real weird. Yep. And it also feels like it's terrible. It's like, you know, you, you... It feels like you've been awake all night. You know for a fact it's not, but you've seen one o'clock, you've seen two o'clock, you've seen three o'clock. And there's no way that you've been actually awake for an hour. No, but you have been to like a pirate ship and a spaceship and a a horror hospital in the meantime. And there's there's an awful lot of plot happening in between. Yeah, and it feels like you've been awake the entire time. It feels just like this, right? Yep. Any indication on how your second treatment's doing? It doesn't appear to be doing very well. Archer reminisces a bit about the fact that he has never been without a dog. And, and he clearly, such a great story. And he clearly doesn't want to start that. An old girlfriend's mother had this beagle I was crazy about. Even after her daughter and I broke up, we stayed in touch. When the dog got pregnant, I was the first one she called. Four males in the litter. The four musketeers. I've had Porthos since he was six weeks old. I grew up with dogs. Can't remember not having one. Well, we're sitting here next to your own little uh, <laughs> six or seven-year-old. Uh, a week old. Well, eight weeks old week. at this point, I suppose, yes. Yeah. Finally, finally snoozing. And God, <laughs> she does not look like as the amount of trouble that she actually is right now, does she? Well, it seems to be uh, fairly common for her to be very uh, active in the mornings, then have a good long nap for most of the afternoon, and then become a little terror again in the evening. And now we get the sort of comedy of errors scene that not a lot of people love, but that I kind of find yeah. charming because Paul walks in and Archer yes. appreciates it and he says he's... Sorry, I'm 
a little on edge. I haven't slept very much, but I'm doing the breast I can. The breast I can. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's a few. What did you call them? Like We call them Freudian slips. But, yes, uh, I had it written down. Polarian slips. Two yes. Polarian slips in 30 seconds. Because he also says the, uh, by now, very famous quote. When you get back to the bridge, why don't you send me your lips? <laughs> <laughs> Which, out of context? Yes. L- lisp. List. <laughs> and she just, oof. Oof. Okay. So much to tolerate from these people. And the doctor crosses between them and goes, hmm. Yes, I love that. It's like, it's like oh, isn't yeah. this interesting? <laughs> isn't that the, like, oh. So Paul has apparently broken down the uh, de- reconciliation demands into specific categories. And would you want to talk to them? And he's like, well, my only concern is the dog. And he's like, oh, do your job, man. Yes, it's- right. <laughs> You can see him regret it as soon as she walks away. That's when he said, okay, no, no, when you get to the bridge, send me your lips. He means the list, list of course. Yes. But he's distracted again by some alarms because the doctor's treatment was effective, but Porthos suffered some, some serious degeneration yes, of his... the pituitary gland. Which Dr. Phlox proposes to replace yes. with a pituitary gland of one of his medicinal animals that he yes, has. Yes, a Calrissian chameleon. Nice little shout-out to Star Wars, yes, do you think? Yes, I was thinking of that. Yeah, right. Yes. Lando Calrissian, hey, bet our chief like that. Okay, but here's the real question. Does the chameleon have, like, a little cape himself? Because if he, if he doesn't, what's the point of it being called a Calrissian chameleon? Like, come on. And I love, again, Porto, uh, sorry, Portos. At, um, Porthos. No, I was oh, like, Flox. the doctor. Flox, yes. yes. How he's, like, he, his dry wit is, like, brilliantly comes to the surface again. He is like, will he need special diet or treatments? Having a chameleon's pituitary gland? You may have trouble finding him. He'll have the ability to blend into his background when frightened. <laughs> really? No. It was like, <laughs> are you joking? Yes, I am. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Yeah. Uh. This sort of exacerbates the captain's stress even worse. From what you're telling me, the closest thing your people have to pets are furry little things that go well with onions. And now he's actually lashing out at the doctor as right. well. Right. And he's, he's like, well, are you sure you're doing this right? And the doctor goes like, perhaps I'm insensitive to the bond between you and your subservient quadruped. I'll leave the procedure up to you. But whatever your decision, make it quickly. Yeah, I thought that was really professional of him. Well. Because there, well, there was an actual bit of... I mean, he, he certainly took offence at some of the accusations of the captain who said, like, you don't actually care about these animals because they're just food to you. Well, yeah. Have you ever done this before? Has it ever been done before? And he's kind of, like, casting doubt on the doc's abilities and intentions almost because, like, the yeah. doctor is doing what he can. And basically the doctor goes, like, well, unless you have a better suggestion, this is mine. But Phlox sets a really good example here that I think Archer learns from, which he says, hey, you're right. I don't care about this animal like you yes. So if that's important to you, like what you're saying is actually true. I don't feel love, yeah. care for this animal because it, to me, that's, yeah. that's not what I feel toward animals. And so the decision should be yours. Yes. The captain really needed this. Oh, for yes. someone to, to oh, actually no. take his, his side and recognize that some of his feelings were valid. Gave him a moment of reflection to be able well, to... Well, yeah, it's not... Yeah, feelings are definitely valid, but also saying, like, you're letting them get in the way of yeah. someone actually doing something about it. So the next thing we see is him contributing to this new treatment where... Right, he's basically the surgery assistant while the dog is submerged in a tank of water because of the reason... Superhydration. Yes. Greg, what, was, my... what was the reason that the dog had to be, like, submerged during the treatment? I'll need to superhydrate the canine in order to minimize the shock to his pulmonary system. Thank you. Thank you. And so we've got this cook pot with dog soup. Yes. <laughs> and I love their scrubs. They, those, yeah. Those outfits. They Only sort of, waist up, though. Are they? Uh, uh, just something, oh, Does he just, still have just, his butt-hugging Calvin Klein's underneath? They're just lighter gray pants on the bottom. Yeah. Dr. Flox is using an endoscope. Like, this is really cool sort of set yeah, design. Yeah, he, he picks out this little new pituitary gland, which kind of gets, like, thrown into a hole that is made in uh, Portos's skull. This is where the captain goes, hey, if if anything that you said was maybe correct, I'm not saying that it is, but if it was... Mm. <laughs> yeah. Be aware of it, Captain. Simply be aware of it. You'd be surprised what a difference that'll make. He gets to tell a little bit about, you know, why he knows about sexual frustration. And yes. We learn a lot more about Denobulin. Yes. 
When the I was going practice. to the Noblian, I met a man with three wives, three <laughs> wives with three husbands. No, wait, that's not how the riddle goes. <laughs> how, many, how many men going to the Nobula? Yeah. Yeah, because this is apparently like a very normal structure for them. This uh, yes. this polycule with, with 720 relationships, which suggests that it's not like a web of preference, that there is a sort of maximum number of individuals in these polycules. Right. After which it tends to like cycle back upon right. itself. Yes, in, in, into itself, yes. But even, like I said, like what's the point of being polyamorous if we don't... Yeah, if, if it's we, not complicated. If it's, yeah. But even that doesn't guarantee for good family relationships because we learned that like three of his children he has fine relationships with. My two younger sons and I never saw eye to eye. I'm afraid we haven't spoken in uh, quite some time. All of his children have, have left the home. Oh, there's an interesting bit where Archer goes, you, you don't look that old. And oh, he goes... That was a compliment. <laughs> yeah, suggesting that maybe it really isn't in yes. his culture that, oh, you look so young. Oh. As in, yeah, maybe you look young yeah, well, and therefore inexperienced. And right. It's like we've known, like he has like six or nine degrees at this point in yeah. various things. And He says they live long lives. Oh, there's yeah. also an episode where one of his wives joins the ship and they're reunited and they do this thing where they put their noses close to each other and just delight in each other's scent. Mm. And then she says, okay, I'm going to pack my luggage. She says, yep, I've got some stuff to finish. We'll see each other for dinner. Cool. And uh, Trip asks, like, you haven't seen each other in like six years. How can you like be so cool? Yeah, well, what's the rush? We're here now. Sure, exactly. We've been apart for four years. Another hour, another day. <laughs> As I said, we are very patient. And this conversation, like between them, is just fantastic because they're, they're performing this medical procedure and they're also just relating with one another. Yes. And Archer ends up apologizing to flocks. As I recall, you accused my entire species of being insensitive. And to the whole species. Then I apologize to you and all your fellow denobulars. Yep. Flock says, well, I can't speak for the others, but I accept. And here's to think that Paul told me you were incapable of uh, apologizing. That, that really cinches it. Yep. And cuts us straight back to the planet. Well, actually, back. We haven't been on the planet before. Yep. Where there's a little bit more apologizing that Archer is doing. He is down to his trousers, I guess. He's yep, wearing yep, the same yep. blue, blue pants as the others are. He's got beads which have been woven into his hair, which are dangling down. He's all just like sweaty. The, uh, the, 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 the cretacens are wearing. Yep. He's been, yeah, temp covered in temporary markings or temporary tattoos or whatever it is. Little, yeah, symbols. A little, little, little bit reminiscent of cave painting-like style. Right, yeah. And he is using a chainsaw to slice discs. Of, he's basically making coasters. <laughs> and laying them out in a particular pattern yes. while reciting in Cretacin that he that he studied very well. Yes, he starts uh, to put it down somewhere, sees some disapproving looks from one of the Cretacins. Goes back to his iPad. Where he walks up like to his little crib sheet. Where he's, <laughs> <laughs> goes like, oh, no, I have to put wrong it place. Down, wrong place. I have to put it over here, which meets with gracious approval, big smiles all around. Yeah, because uh, that's all they wanted. They wanted the effort to yep. see that someone actually cares about showing them respect in the way that they appreciate respect. And, like, I like to think that these Cretaceans would have also loved to 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 read, like, Emily Post. And we're going to do it human style. Oh, she did, like, The Art of Hospitality. Or oh, something. right. She yes, yes, yes. yes. And, and, I was going to say, the name sounds familiar, but I couldn't, it didn't, couldn't quite place it. But, yes. Yeah, she was all about etiquette as a form of, like, showing grace and, yes. and yeah. generosity. And especially it never being a tool to humiliate people with or yes. to uh, belittle them for, for for and then like the worst breach of etiquette is commenting on someone else's breach of etiquette yes <laughs> that's yeah they must be making tons of allowances here because yeah having a crib sheet yes. at one of these things yeah <laughs> is an act of generosity but think about what's happening with archer in this moment like his dog has just had surgery uh, after a very long night it's not better than it has been at any point. He's not no. certain that Porthos will survive. But even with that uncertainty, even having slept less than he has before, he's prioritizing the ship now. Yes, actually, you well should as a captain. Yeah, showing us like what he's capable of. Because he, he's not coming to this because he finally had a night's sleep or because finally Porthos is better and now he can focus. No. He's yeah. focusing in spite of all that because he, he is a fantastic captain. I have a, a friend in Ukraine, Izzy. 
who unfortunately, due to the invasion of Ukraine by Russia under Putin, uh, haven't spoken as much as, as Alexei. She has a, a, a Starfleet Delta tattoo. And I asked oh, her yeah. who her favorite captain was. And I was kind of astonished when she said Archer. Yeah. But that's who she grew up with. And seeing him like at his lowest, pulling himself out by his own bootstraps and doing this amazing feat. Yeah. I understand why she loves Archer. Yeah. Yeah, we don't. They don't linger on the scenes. It's a, it's a fairly short scene. Yep, and it's like nothing else is really said about with the Cretans. 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 Yes, they've got a lovely design as well. Oh, they do look lovely. Back on board the ship, Archer is enjoying his own breakfast as Paul comes in. Mr. Tucker reports that the new plasma injector is operating well within Starfleet parameters. Did he tell you they gave us two spares out of the kindness of their hearts? Because, yeah, they care a lot about courtesy. And also, like, these are just gifts that they want to give. They want to make yeah. friends with, with all of these rituals that they have. And even, like, he's been so focused on this part, he hasn't been consistently checking on, on Porthos. Like, he needs to get an update from her. Yes. First, however, he apologizes to her as well. Oh, yes, yes. Since I've been getting so much practice giving apologies, I... Thought I might give you one. And she's perfectly understanding. Like, from her point of view, it's not much weirder than the uh, emotional outbursts that she has to deal no. with on a day-to-day -day <laughs> basis. regular basis, yeah. Oh, humans. Uh, yeah. Kind of, like, almost gets into, like, a admission mm. that there's a little bit of attraction going on between them, which she immediately shouts down. Then it's good that you're my superior officer, that we're not in a position to allow ourselves to become attracted to one another, hypothetically. Flox gets another apology. And he also gets credit. Yes. I doubt I would have even gone down there if it hadn't been for you, Doc. And that's a, that's a wonderful compliment to Dr. Flox's like, professionalism and his, and his care as a person. Yep. There's another, uh, like, like, very much like the episode uh, from uh, Voyager. It's like... I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking <laughs> the same <up>. thing. <laughs> yeah, because Porthos, yeah. No, he's not unconscious. He's just asleep. Yeah. Oh. Wake up, Lieutenant! Yeah. <laughs> and it's time, to, it's time to go home. Time to go yeah. walkies. He's got a fresh lizard brain organ in his head. And off we go. Sickbay's all yours. You're welcome back anytime, Captain. And he puts on, like, the most amazing grin. Like, he has that <laughs> lovely make, big smile. <laughs> yes. Makeup department must have had a ball with, with getting that. <laughs> CGI, I think. I uh, think this was that era. That seems about right, yes. Finally showing some other extremes of anatomy. Right, like, like the tongue and everything. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> so, yes, wow. Genuinely, actually, I, I think, think one very, of my favorite episodes it's a, of Star it's, Trek. It's a good episode, yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Right? It's like we've been to, like... So I want to I wanna quote Juliet Harrison, who wrote this article, and I really found a lot in her summation. And she says, and this is again on Den of Geek. Yeah. This episode is sometimes accused of having killed Star Trek and blamed for Enterprise's dwindling viewing figures and eventual calculation. It's true that it has flaws and it won't be bothering any best of lists, but it doesn't deserve its place on the worst of lists either. It's a good chance to get to know Flocks a bit better a fascinating and genuinely alien character who didn't get the spotlight often enough. The interaction between Flox and Archer here is genuinely fun to watch. It's light and fluffy and silly, and maybe that's not your bag, but it doesn't make it bad. It shows Archer at its worst, hey, at his most childish and petulant, but how can we really get to know any character without seeing them at their lowest? Yeah. By the end of the episode, he's regained his sense of duty and is fulfilling his role as normal once again. He had a bad night, so do we all sometimes. It's about time that we cut him... And this episode, some slack. No, I agree completely. I then it's time yes. for our deleted, probably going to have to figure out like a good name. Like what what deleted scenes do you imagine didn't oh, make it to the Blu-ray? Right. Yeah. Ooh, crikey. I forgot about that segment. Uh, <laughs> I, okay. Okay. Well, the easiest one would be a protracted apology scene, you know, where he like having to perform weird things like cause it's hinted at right it's hinted yeah. at between hoshi and to paul like well we broke it down into the various elements <laughs> so i'm kind of like thinking of oh, like almost to the level of him standing there in the hall of apology stand going like i'm a little teapot <laughs> performing <laughs> something Do the dance of contrition <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> 
like, yeah, no, like, yeah, we have to do an apology dance from Earth. Like, what are we going to do? It's like, I don't know, just like do the teapot song, you know? Yeah. It's like, they won't know. It's like, we don't have one, but... <laughs> oh, that was a plot point in a Babylon 5 episode where Susan Ivanova is supposed to, like, make nice ah, with a... With boom, a, shakalaka, an alien, boom shakalaka like <laughs> An alien ambassador who says that, you know, on my planet, we, we open relations through intimacy. And she goes, yes. okay, well, cool. Here's Earth intimacy. We yes. do this weird dance, and then we yell at each other. And, oh, yeah. Is that good for you? Yeah, we just did a sex is what we did. Yes. <laughs> and the alien's not having any of it. I remember that. Because he ends it like, next time, we're doing it my way. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. By the time you ever come back, the 90s will be over. <laughs> I think my deleted scenes is going to be all of this about the, the Cretacean captain and the extraordinary lengths he's going to behind yeah. the scenes to continue cutting them some slack right. and convincing like people. Him pleading with the leaders. and Give like, them a like, chance. Oh, come on. They're just like, they don't know about our customs. And like, of no, course. But they, they violated, like yes. it's in the book. Okay, no. And he stayed up all night with his whole team. We've got to find some loophole that they can make this right if they just yes. do it. And like, as long as they respond within an hour. Oh, an hour's plenty of time. It's Who been wouldn't? three hours. No. <laughs> it's not. Oh, 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 I've got a solution for that. Yeah. He's just as stressed out. Yes, he's having the worst night oh, of his he's life. Just a, he's just doing a Karen. It's been three hours since. No, I- like Archer did. It's been six days, five. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. He's been yeah. doing this. It's been three no. hours, okay. two. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Do you know how we're ending this episode? No. Go on then. I'm leaving Starfleet. Oh. Energize. <laughs> We hope you've enjoyed this week's episode with your friends Kay and Kaki. Production and editing by your chief engineer, Greg, and music by Fox Amore. Join us next time for Picard Season 1, Episode 7, Nepenthe. Visit joyoftrek.com slash links to send us your recommendations, support us on Patreon, or find us on Blue Sky, Instagram, and Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to The Joy of Trek, and we'll see you out there.